Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Heskin Taylor. And me, Joe McCarthy. And today's guest is Josh Guest. Josh is involved in service accommodation, has uh, multiple units, and has acquired quite a portfolio in a short space of time. So, Josh, how are you? Hello. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, great to have you. Great to have you. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy times in the in the service accommodation world right now with the with the coronavirus and everything right now. How are you feeling it yourself? Yeah, it is definitely a, a crazy time at the moment in um, in any business, to be honest, but um, and especially yeah. in service accommodation or any hospitality business. It is a crazy time, so we've had to sort of take some certain steps to uh, try and uh, protect the risk of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Would you like to tell us about, a bit about your your background and um, you know how you got started in property or maybe what you did before property and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So before property, um, so I've been doing investing in property now for the last two years. Before that, I worked in a sales industry. I uh, worked quite a lot in London selling bean to cup coffee machines. Um, that was on a commission only job, self-employed. Um, so I used to actually stay a lot in London because I live in the Midlands. Um, I used to stay a lot in London at the time um, and be in hotels for the week. And I didn't really enjoy that because obviously you haven't got your own space, um, just in like a premier in room. And then you got like the beef eater at night time to go and get some food. So I suddenly came across this thing, service departments, um, and started staying in these. I didn't really know what they were at the time, but I knew I had my own kitchen space and my own bedroom and my own living room. So I thought that was pretty cool. I could cook um, in the kitchen separately and somewhere to sit in the evening, do a bit more work and then get a bed. Um, then I always wanted to sort of get into property or run my own business. I'd read some sort of books, done a bit of some research, uh, dabbed into some stocks and shares and stuff as well, made some money through that. And then I came across a friend um, which knew somebody with some SA units in Brighton, started stalking to them. And before I knew it, I had a few units in Brighton, which I sort of worked out some figures on and they look pretty good. So I thought, let's give this a go. Um, yeah. I know yeah. that I sort of, I sort of like the model myself because I've actually stayed with them in London and I like it. So I know I can sort of pass my passion on to my customers as well. Um, so I ran some figures and thought, yeah, let's give it a good. go. Yeah, that sounds excellent. Yeah, um, just on a uh, dive back there, you mentioned stocks and shares, and that's actually something I was involved in uh, before I got involved in property as well. I had a, a big interest in it, so it's kind of it just kind of uh, seems fairly uh, funny. Someone else is also interested in in stocks and shares. So, what was the? Can you tell me a bit about the transition um, from that from the sales job into maybe stocks and shares? I know you mentioned reading books. Um, maybe what were some of the books that kind of that you read that kind of triggered that interest in in property? Um, yeah, so I've read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I'm sure many people have heard of and read. Yeah. That's always one of the famous ones. 
Yeah. And then I'd also come across Progressive Property, read some of Rob Moore's and Mark Homer's books and started to get obviously quite like their emails. <laughs> um, <laughs> and sort of it sort of flowed from there, did some of their sort of uh, free courses and stuff like that, getting introductory, uh, started listening to audio books and reading books and it's sort of yeah just knock on effect from there really started flowing from there josh if you, if you don't mind me asking i know you mentioned that you that you were looking in brighton what what sort of what was it that drew you to that area and 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 what was your sort of first deal you know it, it, me and joe found it very hard researching what what parts of liverpool to, to set up a service accommodation and, and finding our first deal was quite hard as well how did you um how did you tackle them issues how did you come to that to your first unit yeah, so as I worked in London, that was only sort of an hour away from Brighton. And as I said, I sort of had a friend um, living there that I sort of worked with at the time. Um, and they knew, knew somebody doing sort of service departments down there. So I sort of piggy brained, uh, piggybacked on their sort of knowledge at the time. Um, and I spoke to some other SA operators, sort of joined some Facebook groups, knew some other people operating service accommodation units in Brighton so started to have a chat with them uh, met up with coffee and just sort of found information from people um, then I came into contact with a fairly good agent down there and a couple of landlords um, built up some sort of relationships with them and I knew the exact area that I needed to be working in just through from like I say continuously going for coffee meetings with people and they were like this part works this part just doesn't work in brighton so i was like well yeah. that's my sort of gold mine area i want to be looking in sort of it's sort of a bit of luck at the time like i can say um like i say where i just sort of landed with these landlords and letting agents but obviously i probably found my luck by continuously going out there and speaking to yeah. lots of landlords lots of agents um and then i sort of just obviously sort of hit the jackpot and and they were the correct ones and they had a few properties in that area and uh it sort of went from there okay okay nice nice i feel like i may have sort of draw, drawn you away from joe's original question there about um stocks and stuff i know you mentioned um that you read you know quite a few books and stuff as well was there did, did you sell up all your stuff that you're investing elsewhere and put all your money into service accommodation and all your time or did you still dabble in, in some other stuff on the side as well yeah so um I did just go straight, take, sold all my stocks and shares. Uh, so it was at the start of 2018, and it was at a good time. Um, I, I didn't have loads of money in stocks and shares, but had a decent amount in there, and it made quite a bit over the sort of over the 2017 period um, through some uh, oil stocks, and they'd all been rising up quite heavily over that period. So I knew they were sort of reaching a peak anyway. Um, so I was looking to sort of get out of it. And when I did come out of it, it did all start going down um, throughout 2018. Um, so I probably came out of it in the right time and just sort of thought I'd focus it all into service combination for now and potentially look back at stocks and shares in the future to diversify my portfolio again. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. After, after this whole crash and everything happens, it'd be a nice time to buy back in. But who knows when the bottom's going to be. It's like it's falling off a cliff right now. Um, so just on that, like with regards to the current market and obviously with the coronavirus, how is that affecting your, your current business now? And what kind of measures are you putting in place? 
Yeah, so I think this is definitely a um, very good question, uh, especially for other people that are investing in, in service accommodation and heavily, heavily leveraged in service accommodation. Um, yep. And obviously, especially rent to SA operators like myself, uh, like you guys as well. So we've basically sort of said to sort of set up a sort of strategy to try and make some money or even to look to break even on certain properties, to be honest. Um, and just, uh, just to give people a bit of a background because you didn't touch on it, um, how many rent SA units have you currently? We've got about 14 or 15 rent to SA units and then about 10 on management. Nice. Okay, so, so quite a good portfolio. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so obviously we've got a high, quite a high rent roll um, to also pay all the landlords every month. And we've obviously no income coming in at the moment in this climate. Um, can be tough and it is probably going to wipe out a lot of people if they don't get things in place. So what we've sort of said is if we can either try and break even and get through this um, over the next few months, then that'll be still good. Um, yeah. Or we've actually started to work with the landlords and we've approached all of our landlords and said, is there anything where we could work together to get over these times? Um, we've worked with some of these landlords now for two years. We've got pretty good relationships with them. Um, is there something where we can do a, uh, a rent suspension or, or something basically just to compensate all of the outgoings every month? So maybe whatever income we do get, we can potentially pass the landlords. Um, up to obviously their rent or your rent reduction. So it's definitely something I'd advise people to get talking to their landlords as soon as possible because this is only going to get worse over the next few yeah. months. So don't wait until two or three days before you need to pay your rent. Um, and then you're going to, to call your landlords and say you can't afford it because then they're going to be pretty pretty annoyed then. Um, have Try and have a chat with them now and sort of iron out anything that you can uh, do with them. Yeah, definitely. Just with the current market, um, like I mean, the government is putting in, I suppose, a lot of measures as well, um, to help with landlords and you know any workers. I think they're starting with self-employed now as well. They're looking into that, but um, things like mortgage breaks maybe could be something to negotiate. Um, yeah, they can get mortgage holidays for I think what was it three months. Yeah, um, that's correct. Something like that. So that might help. Uh, well, it will help. Uh, it's just I suppose yeah, like you said, negotiating with the landlord. And to be able to uh, to work together. Yeah, and then just two. So, so another another option as well. Um, like I say, is just start posting all of your units all over social media. Post it out to all of your local community. Put it into local Facebook groups, like say selling groups, um, and see if people either need to isolate themselves or more, more often um, their family needs to isolate. So they're looking to move out for maybe a month or two. Or yeah. they could actually be um, guests that are actually stuck here from Italy, um, Spain, or anywhere, China. We've got a few of those at the moment, um, which could be staying with us basically until this goes, until they can fly home. Um, and like I say, even if you are just on certain units, you might have to look to just cover your costs, but that's better than nothing. Um, I know several sort of SA operators at the moment that are losing heavily heavily amount of money. Um, so it's better to at least break even, keep this good relationship with your landlords and get something in, in these sort of tough times and get through it. And it's only just going to peak after all of this. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, sounds like you're being very proactive anyways and taking actions straight away and not leaving things to the last minute. So that's, that's very good. Um, yeah. Just going to kind of backtrack a little bit. And uh, just when you started first getting into rental service accommodation and say negotiating with agents, and I believe you're in a, in a JV at the moment with an agent. Have you had a partnership or something with that with an agent? Yes, 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 I am. Um, yeah, so so to start off with, and because I've sort of gone into different cities as well, um, it's quite interesting actually because you sort of become comfortable in the end and it's sort of making yourself uncomfortable again. So obviously I built up this. So basically I did it for six months in Brighton and then yeah. I thought I'd sort of test it, test it instead of rushing into it and just expanding. It worked. So I thought, oh, this is working now. Now I can look to expand. So I've got a few more units in Brighton and then I thought, so I start looking in my local town in Worcester. Um, so I started looking in Worcester and then it was a bit, it felt a bit weird then because I was, I was having to get back un- uncomfortable and go and speak to landlords and agents again, which I hadn't actually done for a while because I'd built up a good relationship in Brighton. Um, so it feels like you're starting your business again, really, um, which is quite a strange feeling. Um, but then I started to get a good connection with one of the agents there, built that up. Um, he started to trust me, got one unit with him shown at him and it's quite a small agent where they've only got sort of five staff members and he liked what I was doing so I had a chat with him and basically it just went from there he's he's quite interested in it so I thought let's try and get another coffee with him and kept having a few further chats and he said he's interested in this himself so I said well why don't we work on something together if you find the properties for me I can basically manage it and then we can do some sort of joint venture on it and I might put in a bit less cash and he might put in a bit more, but he's found a property, but then we'll be managing it for him and we'll do it on a 50-50 profit share basis. Nice. So nice, yeah. now we've got uh, three with them now. We've got three with them and we've got another couple in the pipeline as well, which totally honest, we've, we've put those sort of on pause at the moment just because obviously with this sort of yeah. climate, I sort of advise people to probably do that as well. Um, probably pause them for a few months and then start to get them again when things pick up sort of question that i'd like to ask you is how much i know it's a hard a hard question because different units cost um different amounts to set up but on average what what do you sort of spend uh, setting a unit up and what sort of profit per month do, do you sort of average out i know there might there might be a big spectrum from from what there could be but sort of what averages do you get yeah sure great question um so on average for just the furniture we spend between sort of two and a half to three and a half k between a one and two bed property um even a three bed actually we can do for about three and a half to four k as well um and then profits per month range between 600 to about 1100 pound per month okay nice and these are on average across the year yeah yeah what are you typically paying per month on 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 the rental so they range between 500 and 1300 pounds a month 1300 wow yeah you probably get where those ones are there in brighton yeah (laughs) i was gonna say yeah but so what are you paying um for for a two bed 
So a two bed down there would be between a thousand pounds and thirteen hundred. Really, yeah. Right. Some of them we've negotiated very well on them, and yeah. they they do climb even higher down there. But we've we won't go above that limit. That's sort of our maximum limit. Some people, um, like I said, they do climb even higher than that. So we've got pretty good prices on ours between a thousand thirteen hundred pounds per month down there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So obviously like in this, this current climate at the moment, people aren't going to be rushing to get involved in service accommodation, but it is, it is going to blow over and, and, and things are going to bounce back. People are always going to need places to stay, you know, for work or, or leisure. What, what sort of, what advice could you give someone in, in getting started in service accommodation? Would you, you know, would you advise them to find an area that, that, you know, might be an hour or two drive away and just, just make that effort um, to travel a distance if you can find a better area or has that been an issue for you? To be honest, most areas will actually work for service combination. So I never actually thought my hometown Worcester population of 100,000 would actually work. That's why I actually didn't do it here. I sort of went to Brighton. It's obviously like a seaside town. I thought yeah. it's bound to work there compared to here. Then when I started sort of deep diving into it a bit more, there still wasn't any operators here, but there was like hotel chains. There's like Premier Inn, Travel Lodge. Um, then there's loads of like small independent hotels and better breakfasts and all that sort of stuff. And there's quite a few events going on around here. Um, you've obviously got Cheltenham Races, which are only a few weeks ago, which is a 20 minute drive um, at the Cheltenham. So yeah. you've got all these things going on. And then I started to, like I say, deep dive into it. And obviously the costs are a lot lower down here. So if you're going back to say a two bed, we can get those for about 700 pounds per month here. Yeah. So which is obviously standard. Yeah. So to be honest, I'd actually try and stick to your hometown to start okay. off with or within like an hour radius, because you don't want to be, especially when you're setting up these units, when you first do your first unit, you're probably going to do the full setup yourself. You're yeah. going to go and sort for the furniture from like Ikea um, all those sort of places or online wholesalers nowadays as well, which people have started to get hold of. Um, so I'm just trying to stick to at least within an hour of your area so you can easily get to it every day. And obviously when you're going to be first doing it, you're going to be going to lots of viewings, meeting lots of agents, trying to contact landlords. Um, yeah. You're going to want to be able to get to these areas pretty quickly so you can obviously keep building up these connections, um, which obviously I did find hard to start off with going to Brighton, which is three and a half hours away from me yeah and that's that's when i started to look into more my local local area and it was actually probably easy to get to these places pretty quickly every day and build up a quicker relationship with all the agents landlords um and get things going a bit easier and you're going to know the areas by yourself so you actually know like events that are happening yourself um you're going to know exact sort of where you'd want a property as well and where somebody might pay a bit more premium for a property but even even sort of some people say like on the bronx as well to be fair those properties will still rent as a, yeah. as a service accommodation unit obviously other people that are coming don't really know that area so as long as it's a nice spec property um you probably can still rent it if it's sort of meeting all of that customer's requirements so you've got to try and look past all these things um and then like i say go and speak to um, hotels or maybe just go in look in the car parks of the hotel say three nights of the week so go on like monday thursday and saturday and see how busy that car park is especially yeah. if you've got like say premier inns or travel lodges there just go and have a look how busy it is and that sort of they they're a massive chain so they've done the research for you really yeah 
yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've heard somebody say that if you if, if you see if you do see hotels being built, then there's demand there. If you know that those companies have God knows how much money they spend on research and trying to yeah. find out where to build hotels. So if they're popping up, then you know there's there's demand definitely. Yep. Okay, great. With reference to um, the serviced accommodation units, I, when me and Joe were first like listening to podcasts and reading up online and, and joining serviced accommodation groups, we felt that a lot of people try and say that it's quite passive and even speaking about getting other people to set units up and stuff like that i think that's a million miles away i, I don't know how how you find it or if you're still <laughs> setting your own units up and stuff but we found that very time consuming yeah definitely um so i don't know if you've seen one of my latest facebook live videos where we actually set up a unit in a day okay um but I still do get involved sometimes as well. I don't always get involved in the setups, but I do still sometimes get involved on it. Um, And then I do sort of employ a team as well to help set it up with me because definitely when you first get started and you do need to get sort of your hands dirty when you first get started, it's not just passive. You need to set up all the systems behind it. You need to do all the viewings, try and get connections with people. Then you need to get, obviously, yeah, get all the furniture, set all the property up. And it always takes a lot longer than you ever think. So just a trip to Ikea and your Ikea could be 40 minutes away or whatever, yeah. or being in bargains or any of these sort of places. Yeah. And then you suddenly get home and you realize you've probably forgotten the cushions that you've got. So then you've got yeah. to come back again <laughs> and buy that. And you get back and you've realized that you haven't actually bought any tea, coffee and sugar yet. So you're going to go to the supermarket as well. Mm. Before yeah. you know it, it's it's like three or four days later. So it always does take a lot longer than you think. And then you sort of look at that bedside table and you think, oh, I'll put that together in 10 minutes. And you're there another hour and a half later still trying <laughs> yeah. to build, build it. Yeah. Um, all this sort like of stuff. Our first unit, like our- <laughs> our first unit now we must have yep. done about like five or six different runs so all oh my god yeah. at least and yeah. oh my god like no van either so it was in the car and we had like all the bits and bobs like you know the cushions you know the, the amount of quilts and trolls and duvets and just the carload of stuff multiple runs is crazy um but i suppose you have to do it start don't you yeah, so looking back there as well, um, can you dive into, say, like a deal now, say, maybe uh, your first or second unit, you know, could you kind of dive into it a bit and, you know, what was the kind of process, okay, you've, you've built up the relationship with the agent um, or the landlord, you've got the contract signed, once you get the contract signed, what's next, what's the next step? So, to set up all the unit, really, once you've got the contract signed, you need to get everything organized. So we have like checklists of having everything organized. So to be fair, one of the top things on the checklist, because we might sign a contract and we'll be going picking up the keys next week, um, is to actually get Wi-Fi installed. Because Wi-Fi can actually take two weeks to install it. Um, that was probably one of the first issues that we ever had, had in the early days, where it was sometimes two to three weeks to get a Wi-Fi installed. and we've picking up the keys in a few days time and we sort of forgot about that. So that's sort of top one on the checklist. Even if, even if we know we're going to sign a contract sort of in a week's time, we'll actually just order the Wi-Fi because you can cancel it anyway. Um, so it's actually going to be ready to go in exactly when you're going to pick up those keys. Um, then we'll set up um, a checklist of all your sort of utilities and all that sort of stuff that gets all done in the background, uploading it onto the online travel agencies, onto your channel manager, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then really it's all of the furniture um, 
We want to be able to kit that property out as quickly as possible, get the photography in, get the property uh, photos done, and then get it uploaded straight online so we can get some money and income to start generating on the property. Um, and how we usually do that now, we'll actually start buying everything before we've even got the keys to the property. So as soon as that contract is signed, and we could be getting the keys a week today or something, we'll then basically order everything um, for the property and we'll start even building it as well. Luckily we have got like an office and stuff like that so we can store stuff there. Um, even if it's just at your house or something as well, if you've got a garage or got a shed in the garden, yeah. um, or even if you've got a spare room, just try and sort of order everything beforehand. Might, uh, might annoy you over half for a week, but hopefully that'll, uh, that'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just get everything built beforehand. And then to be honest, um, probably hire a van for the day because just loading furniture straight from a van straight into a property, it doesn't take that long. You can do that pretty quick, but it is all of the sort of the faffing around, finding all the cushions that match, and then doing all building the flat packing and stuff like that. So if everything's ready, the van's loaded up, you're going to get your keys tomorrow morning. Just go there, just drop the furniture off. You can normally do it within sort of 24 hours then, especially if there's a couple of you. Um, and obviously to start off with, so one of my sort of concerns was, well, the cost of the van, that's another hundred pounds or whatever with petrol and then paying someone else again, probably another 80 to hundred pounds to help out for the day. But in the scheme of things, that's probably like one night's booking or two nights booking. So if you get it set up within 24 hours, instead of waiting five or six days to set it up on yourself and driving around the country, finding all this stuff, um, it's going to save you technically money in the long term and it'll probably yeah. save scratching all your car and everything as well and chucking everything in the back and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So once you got the unit up and going then and booking start coming through um, and then you start managing guests and obviously like there's going to be problem guests, isn't there, from time to time? Yeah, definitely. So to be honest, that's quite an interesting question. That's a good question. Um, so we've had loads of different scenarios really with customers. Um, you can just have anything from sort of the little nitty gritty issues which happen every day where guests are calling you up, don't know how to use the key box, probably don't know how to open a door. They don't have to use a TV, what's the Wi-Fi codes, how to use a cooker, all this sort of stuff. So you need to try and think of all these scenarios for those sort of situations and try and put things in place. So just manuals and videos and maybe QR codes to those videos is always a good one. Um, and do that when you set up the property to so do a video of how to use the cooker, how to use the key box, etc. all of that. And then make sure the guest is aware of all of this stuff. So get some either yourself or get someone in your team to call up the customer before they arrive, make sure they know everything about their arrival and make sure they know how to get a check into the property and then make sure that they know about these manuals and videos. So if they need anything, they can check these out before they try and contact us. Um, then you can obviously have the more extreme things happening with guests obviously, so probably one of them is noisy guests. This is actually probably something you kind of actually need to sort of take into consideration when you're looking at your units and deciding on what units to actually take. 
if there is obviously a group of noisy guests who can they basically annoy what are your neighbors like if it's in a block of apartments obviously what's like the access routes to the building like is could you actually even put a key box on the outside of the building or not it might be against the management obviously t's and c's um and obviously guests just wandering around a big block of buildings they're probably going to find it struggle to find the apartment so this is one thing we've always found is try and get like a private entrance to certain apartments where we've got a few on like the side of a block of buildings where it's private entrance so they wouldn't really annoy any of the neighbors um but sometimes obviously you can still get noisy guests um one of the good little devices at the moment um don't know how to say it properly is it is minute so m-i-n-u-t like the little device that you can stick on the ceiling and it tracks the sound nice okay um, they're quite good and then it alerts your mobile if obviously the sound goes above a certain volume. So we've had quite a few obviously, well not probably loads, but we've had some sort of guests uh, being noisy. Um, before we deep dive into a couple of situations, um, obviously sometimes guests can get out of control as well completely once we've had a few drinks. So we have had two fights at two of our properties. Um, one actually quite recent, well, they're both this year actually, I think. Um, one where the cleaner actually arrived at the property um, in the morning, gave me a call, and obviously probably a few a few swear words in there as well um, because the door was completely boarded up. So you may have actually seen this one on my Facebook profile yeah, where the door was. <laughs> The door was completely boarded up and basically there had been a fight at the property and the door somehow got booted in. So the police actually got called out sort of four in the morning because obviously they didn't know whose property it was at the time. They just boarded up the door for us. So we had to chat to those guests. Um, then I had to go make a statement for the police and stuff like that. That's actually still going through at the moment. And the guest has got them for sort of criminal damage, but he's just going to pay it back. He's sign some sort of paperwork to just pay pay us back whatever it is um so that's quite good but with all these things you probably need to just be sort of thick skinned and just not really worry about it just have sort of things in place straight away so luckily we have sort of contractors builders that we know to get that sort of fixed asap so we got somebody out literally the day after to replace the door all sorted got the cleaners in, get it clean, um, quick bit of paint on the wall, where uh, a bit of blood on the wall, all sorted basically within 24 hours so then we can get the next set of guests in. Um, and yeah. the same situation did actually happen literally about a month ago where uh, something gone out of control again. Um, luckily this is going up to an apartment where there's a couple of CCTV cameras and it was on the main street, um, main street door building going in. And it's a full glass door. Um, it's one of those very thick fireproof doors. So you have to, they literally just crack. You can't actually smash them or you can, but you need a lot of force. So they'd obviously gone into it and just cracked the whole door window. Oh, um, now it's a full length door. Um, so quite expensive, but luckily it was through uh, contractors actually that were actually working there. And just one of the guys that just sort of lost his, lost his call so 
they actually paid for it anyway as a company because they didn't want the police or anything to get involved. They didn't obviously want a bad name against their company. So yeah. paid for it and all sorted really. But you just got to sort of deal with those situations, expect obviously a situation to maybe happen now and then and just obviously sort of not lose your call and just sort of expect these things that might happen and you just got to obviously take them as a stride in the footstep really and just uh, just go with it a lot of people do sell the dream of service accommodation i think me and joe found that online a lot of people yep. do try and uh, big it up and say how great it is and stuff there's obviously yeah. a lot a lot of stuff to, that comes along with it i mean with reference to going forward over the next couple of years is it a strategy that you're going to keep pursuing you're going to keep building that portfolio over the years or is the the other stuff that you're going to look into? So yeah, definitely. That's um, So once obviously all of this stuff at the moment is all sort of over and free from the air, because that's what I've been sort of speaking to landlords about and stuff at the moment, yeah. and letting agents. So once it's all over, uh, we've actually got deals literally in the pipeline now. We've got, I think, about seven deals. We actually had a lease option as well for building in the pipeline. Um, and like I say, totally honest, um, we have caused all of those in this market at the moment because we don't know obviously what's happening really. Yeah. So pause at the minute. Don't think any of everyone's sort of happy to sort of wait for us anyway, um, because I don't think they're going to be able to rent it to anyone else or sell it to anyone else in this climax at the moment. Yeah. So once everything gets going again we're looking to keep continuing to expand our service accommodation business obviously yeah we're probably going to be about six months behind where we wanted to get to this year because our sort of goal was 40 to 50 units on 25 so obviously going to be getting a bit slower now but we'll make up for that obviously next year and then the long-term goals is looking to definitely diversify the portfolio and sort of this happening now um, I sort of maybe probably think about that a bit more. Yeah. Um, probably have a bit more of a diverse portfolio if I sort of had some in stocks and shares again, some in gold, um, obviously some in like a, a trading business like service accommodation. And yeah, so I'm quite lucky really. Um, I haven't got any family at the moment or any big heavy commitments, um, big mortgages and all that sort of stuff. So. I can obviously sort of cut costs at the moment, but obviously for other people where service accommodation, they might have built a big service accommodation business and this could be their, all their income and they might be, might have uh, family, children, a uh, big mortgage to pay every month and they're probably going to go through some struggling times over the next few months. So that, like I say, it does thinking about that for the future, I sort of maybe realised that you need to sort of diversify a bit, have a few different businesses running side by side and be in slightly different industries. You might obviously have like hospitality industry. And like I say, you might have some money in sort of gold or stocks and shares or something like that. Have it, try and have it be a bit diverse or you might have just some single buy to lets. Yeah. Um, so you've got a few different different avenues obviously i know this at the moment is probably going to affect still all businesses it doesn't really matter tenants are probably going to default on big landlords and stuff like that so they're not going to be able to pay their rent and then landlords are going to have to get some sort of holiday from their bank because they won't be able to afford to pay their bills so it's going to have a big knock on effect across the whole country yeah but still it still may makes you do think um if you can try and diversify it a bit and you can probably slow on the knock on effects if it's all just into one big business so if you are in, stuck into a hospitality industry um 
say at the moment, if you had like say, if you had a restaurant as well and a service accommodation business, that's not really going to be good because you're just stuck into a whole hospitality industry. So yeah. I know somebody with like a, a pub at the moment and they've got a, a laundrette and, and they do a lot of our laundry for all the hotel chains and they've obviously gone super quiet in the laundrette and they've obviously had to close pubs as two days ago. Yeah. Um, so that's, and that's his sole income. So that's a huge impact. So it does make you think for the future, just try and diversify your portfolio for everyone really. And to, different avenues yeah yeah no no completely understand um yeah that, that that's great advice i think diversifying your portfolio is definitely a, a, a good way to go down um i think you said there about obviously what's happening now it definitely made me and joe think about what we're going to do going forward as well um yeah probably quite a good thing for anybody just getting started or, or looking to build some form of portfolio or investment portfolio um probably make everyone think a bit differently probably if you can try and keep costs a bit lower and stuff like that and i think i think everyone when you do start earning obviously some decent money um you can sort of start spending it as quickly as you're earning it but probably start building up a cash buffer so you've got like a burn rate burn rate in the bank so work out what all your fixed outgoings are and start building that burn rate so you can last one two months three months yeah um, and start building that up so you might be able to so literally you could have a big burn rate of maybe 12 months in your account. So that could cover the cost of your mortgage and um, all your other fixed outgoings, et cetera, really. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's, it's nice to know that like, you know, if you do have that kind of cash pot built up towards kind of the end of market cycle, um, that it's nice that you can kind of, you know, you'd be covered that way. If you're liquid, you're able to move and all yeah. the rest. And, and it is cyclical. Like, I mean, you know, there's booms and busts, there always has been, there always will be. Um, it's just something to be aware of, I suppose. The uh, the higher risk strategies, the kind of with the ones that get hit first, I suppose, and then the kind of ones like you mentioned, you know, say single lets, they might be able to weather the storm a bit better. Um, simple single let, you know, as opposed to say a, a rented service accommodation. But it's opened our eyes, it's opened a lot of people's eyes and, and all that. And, yeah, definitely diversification is something that we're looking at as well in our business uh, moving yep. forward and all, all the rest. Um, so that's great, Josh. Uh, I think that's everything. Just to point out, if anybody did want to get in touch with Josh, um, is that okay, Josh? If anyone's got any questions around service accommodation or, or a bit of advice, can they get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you should all be able to find me on Facebook. Just type in Josh Guest. And if we've probably got those mutual friends, if you're already in the property industry, you'll be able to find me on there. Or also on Instagram, which is Josh R. Guest. Yeah. So they can also find me in there. Okay, okay, okay. That's great. Josh, thanks very much for coming on the show. It's been very, very good. It was nice to speak to you again since we last seen you at Connect, Connect Property. That was yeah. a networking event where we met, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a while ago, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, me and Joe, we must, we must keep pushing the network, and well, maybe not right now, but <laughs> in a few months. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, uh, thank you both for uh, inviting me on the show as well. Yeah, that's it's been great, Josh. Thanks very much for coming on. Cheers, Josh. See you Cheers. Later. Cheers, bro. Thank bye. you. Speak to you later. Bye, 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 bye. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. 
sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness.